We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Jeff Erickson from Rotowire and the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast here with Chris List with the uh, first ever pairing of the international edition. Chris, how's it going? It's going well. How about yourself, Jeff? I can't complain. Uh, doing uh, now football podcast. We're going to do this once a week. We're going to do this on Mondays almost all the time. Maybe uh, every once in a while we have something that comes up. But uh, we're going to be, uh, it's kind of like, you know, real man would in a way that it's not going to be just like we're going to recap the news and all that. We're, we'll do some of that too. But we're going to kind of just talk a little yang like we do on the XM show too. Yes, that is definitely the idea. There'll be, there'll be plenty of nuts and bolts breaking down each game in the podcast lineup for sure, but that's not what we do. Yeah, so like for instance, you go to rotowire.com slash radio if you don't already subscribe to Rotowire, but you're here, so you probably do subscribe to us. But in case you don't, rotowire.com slash radio, get that free 10-day trial. You can read on the site that Sebastian Janikowski won the Seahawks kicking job. We're not going to break that down too much. There'll be some news we'll talk about there. Uh, but And I, I'm going to pick out a few things at the top that I kind of am interested in, and then we'll just jump into some other stuff too. Uh, let's Actually, we'll do the, the news stuff later. Screw that. I want to talk about your draft. I want to talk about uh, your Beat Chris List 2. We did a little bit of that on the show, but I think for those that don't get to hear the show, you can have it for posterity here forever. So let's go ahead and do that here a little bit first, Chris. You drew the number one pick. You were going to do uh, – you really uh, didn't really love the first pick. That was one of the things that was a big takeaway from this. Yeah, I did, I, it was an accident. Basically, like I put it out there with Greg on Wednesday. I realized like I'm going to have all these other drafts this week and be busy. And I was like, you know what? I better just get this out of the way this weekend. But it was already Wednesday. So I was like, you mind doing it, Greg? He's like, no problem. And we'll see. And so we put it up and it, it filled so quickly that I didn't even have time to set my KDS. And KDS is stands for Kentucky Derby style drafting. You basically pick where you want to pick and then it's randomly drawn. You know, what 
what choice you get. So if you get the first choice and you want to pick first, then you get the first pick. If you get the first choice, you want to pick fifth, then you get the first, then you get the fifth pick. And the reason it's good is because people may disagree about where they want to pick. And so more than one person can be accommodated rather than just doing it in order. But anyway, I should have set my KDS to put like pick four or five as the number one choice. I didn't, I was like cooking dinner. And so all of a sudden I get an email that I'm picking first and I'm like, you know, first you're like, Oh sweet. I'm picking first. And then you're like, yeah, but it's third round reversal. Meaning in the third round, it, you know, so you, you know, a regular snake draft, you draft first in the first and last in the second, but instead of drafting first in the third, you draft last in the third and first in the fourth, that's third round reversal. So I knew I was getting the 24th and the 36th pick as the price paid for getting the first pick. And because I don't like Gurley or bell or David Johnson or whoever that much more than Saquon Barkley or any other guys, um, picking first is kind of not worth it to me, but you know, I, I drew it, I screwed up. I didn't set the KDS and, uh, I took girl in. It was kind of, it wasn't like an obvious choice to me, but I still went with it. Yeah. Uh, I, I would go with that route too. I, I just think there's going to be a year where all the workload of Lev Bell is going to take its toll maybe, or, you know, he just gets hurt or something of that nature that has happened already once before. Um, and we were talking about this on the show, uh, that, you know, there's that gut feeling sometimes, not gut, uh, but just that, uh, what was the word we used? Uh, bad vibes. Yeah. Bad vibes, bad vibes. And you know, Bell's name came up and you kind of share some of those a little bit with some of the listeners that do. Yeah. Even though I took him sort of as an agnostic buy in the Stopa league, I went to 49 bucks at a 200 on him, not thinking I was going to get him, just thinking I was going to advance the bid. But when you price and force at an auction, be, you know, you got to be prepared to eat it. And I thought, okay, that's a good price. Gurley went for 55 and that. So I said, okay, I got bill for 49. That's a good price. But yeah, I mean, look, I had a bad feeling about Melvin Gordon last year and he was just fine. So it, it happens a lot where my bad vibe is wrong, but bell is just one of those guys, just the holdout. I mean, it's just not, he was okay last year. He got off to a sluggish start. Think about how monstrous of a year he would have had if he didn't start so slow, but he got off to a slow start. And, you know, maybe he's just a little out of shape. I could see him pulling a hamstring. But, you know, the thing is, the guy's such a pro. You know, he's been around now a while. He knows what he's doing. He's actually one of the smarter backs out there. You just uh, listen to him on Twitter and stuff. He's a wise ass, but he's smart. He's not like, you know, he's, I think he knows what to do to get ready. And he still wants that probably unrealistic contract that he'll never get. But, and the Steelers, because, because, um, they may not have him next year. They'll give him 400 carries. They don't care. Right, exactly. They might work him into the ground. That's fine. But because that's – and you know what? That's not being evil, by the way, guys. It's not because – they're doing it because it makes their offense better, and they don't have – It is also being evil. It's also evil. No, it's not evil. It's not evil I think because – evil. <laughs> you know what? It, it, no, it is not the head coaches or the offensive coordinator's concern, the contract. It isn't. Well, no, no it's not the contract. It's just like the long-term well-being – of a player is always going to take a back seat to the short term aims of the team. Right. So like, they're not like, well, this guy could probably have five or six more years of his career. They're like, if it's not on our team, you know, I don't really care what happens. So they're going to work him to death if they have to, they don't, they're not purposefully doing that. They're doing it because they think it's realistic. They, for them, it's the optimal strategy is to use that our best player as much as we can in optimal situations. You know, of course, if they're blowing a team out, you don't use the guy. They're not going to use him then either. They're not going to be like gratuitous about it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they, I don't think they wish him harm or wish him ill, but you know, there, there's absolutely zero concern for the, uh, 
the long-term well-being of their guy. I mean, some teams could say, you know, we want this guy around a few years and we're going to take it a little bit easy on him. We're going to give him 270 carries and 75 catches, which is still a very serious workload rather than 315 in 15 games, whatever. I'm not really faulting them. It's not really, as you said, it's not really their job to worry about his long-term career, but it is kind of why in, in a sport like the NFL, it's so violent that it really is every man for himself. The whole team concept is you can't just be a one way street, right? It's like, Oh, well they're not doing anything wrong. They're just doing what's best for the team. Oh, you know, he just needs to buy into the team. Well, why should he buy into the team? You know? No, and I agree. Don't give us don't give us those platitudes on their way out either. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that so, completely. So there is like a there is sort of a, a a wider angle view of this where it's sort of like yeah, in the narrow interest of the team, we should sacrifice this, the rest of this guy's career. But maybe if all the players were to say they're going to do what they might all the team might say actually in the broader interest of the team and for morale, we're going to take care of these guys and hope they're here long term. Now, running backs get no respect anymore in the NFL. No one wants to pay a running back long term. It's almost always a mistake to give that Sean Alexander contract. So the Steelers are probably right. But you see how there's sort of a a moral hazard on both sides now. I mean, I do see that there's a moral hazard. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, I, I think there's a separation, you know, coaches versus management, too. The moral hazard comes from the management, as far as I'm concerned. Coaches aren't management. There's not, it's not like Tomlin sitting across the table negotiating that contract, saying, "Hey, sorry, we just we just can't pay you. I mean, it just doesn't fit our budget." And we are, you know, when they really mean, we don't believe running backs are worth it. That's what they really are saying. But yeah, you know, or we it's can not like Tomlin saying that. he's worth it for this year in the short term, provided he holds up. And they just don't know how long he's going to hold up, and you don't right. want to commit. And in, you've got a new offensive there. coordinator too, by the way. You know, his first year as being the offensive coordinator, he's not. He's thinking about keeping his job for next year. He's he's thinking about impressing right. everybody. He's, he doesn't give a crap about. Around. They're all just they're all just looking out. You know, they're all just like they're pretending it's a team, but like they're all just. How do I keep my job? Well, I better punt on fourth and two from the forty. You know. Yeah, and you know, and you can see the pratfalls of that that, that philosophy for sure. Uh, but so yeah, you know, it's interesting that you could look at this from a couple different angles there, and uh, yeah, then th- there's this whole ethos of oh, football is a team sport though, and it is. I mean, you've played on, you've played sports, you've been on a team. When people are, are self interested assholes, I mean, it's hard to play with them. You get guys that are willing to do anything for the team. Yeah, it's a lot. E- it usually makes the team better. Yeah, it's funny though. A lot of the guys who are outspoken are actually good. Like Le'Veon Bell does whatever it takes. The dude handled 315 carries and 80 catches right. last year in 15 games. You know, it's not like he was loafing on his ass. And and if you look at the snap counts, I did this. Uh, you can check it out on Rotowire. I, this draft prep trivia. So you know what it is, Jeff. But I'll just explain it to the pod listeners. Basically, um, it's probably best to Google it on the blog. Although I also posted as an article on the site. You can find it under articles, or you can just not Google it, but just go to you know the blog and search for draft prep trivia. And I, I did all these quizzes, and one of them recently was snap count, running backs, top running backs by snap count. And Bell, despite sitting out week 17, so he only played 15 games, had like a snap count of 900-something, and the next guy was at like, I want to say 700-something. Like it's, it's not even close how much he out-snaps everybody in the league. That's it's insane. just like ridiculous. It is insane. It really is. Uh, but that makes you wonder, like, are teams, are, are other teams right or are the Steelers wrong? Is it more, you know, is, is there a better bang for the buck by preserving this guy for the longer term? I mean, is there, or should they really be putting pedal to the metal when they've got a league? I, I think they should Bell be putting, unique? yeah, I, well, I think 
two things. One is I think in pro sports, there's been a lot of babying of athletes like Otani. Oh, God forbid he DH before he pitches and he still got hurt, right? Just let these guys play to the extent they can play and feel fine. If there's starts to be a problem, then sit him. But they were like preemptively sitting Otani and the nationals did that whole thing with Strasburg in the playoffs. It's just, it's too much. Right. And then, uh, with bell, I mean, maybe these guys can hold up. They used to do it and then they would, you know, lose, they'd be out of gas after three, four years, but they're out of gas three, four years all the time now too. You know I mean? It's not like these, look at DeMarco Murray. Although they, that's actually an argument for the other side because Dallas worked him into the ground that one year. They gave him 420 carries. So maybe, maybe that's a counter argument. But I'm not positive that, you know, being careful during the season, giving a guy 270 instead of 315 is going to make a big difference. And you might as well get your money's worth. I'm just saying that in general, the NFL doesn't give a shit about its players. And no, it's obvious. It clearly doesn't. And basically, the, the, if you want guys to buy in as a team, you know, maybe showing that you actually care about their long-term well-being might get more buy-in. Now that hasn't been the prevailing ethos in my opinion in the NFL. Uh, and so it is sort of an every man for himself league. And if you're getting underpaid uh, or your, you know, your time's running out, you, you got to threaten to hold out. And, and that's just the way that's just business as usual. Oh, for sure. For sure. And you know, I'm so pro player on most of these situations, you know, the new helmet rule, for instance, it's less about player safety than and more about, Co- you know, liability coverage, you know, cover your ass. That's where they're, they're, is that what it is? Is that what they're worried about being sued for concussion damage and saying, I, why just not? Uh, saying we did what we could. We this did is our due best diligence. Mitigate. See, we did it. We took the steps. We care. We yeah. care about concussions. That's we care about these players. I don't care about. These so players. stupid. I don't think. So they anyway, do. back to the, back to the draft choice. So I took Gurley just because one, one sell safety. I mean, it's like Gurley's on a good team and he's got low mileage. Bell's got more mileage. He's also on a good team. If I knew both guys would play all 16 games, I'd definitely take Bell first in full PPR. But I don't know that, so I took Gurley. But obviously nobody's safe. Anyone can tear an ACL. And the other guy I would have really considered at one was David Johnson, who has all of Bell's upside and less mileage and coming off a wrist thing that shouldn't be a, an issue. But his team is a little sketch. So I think all three of those guys could easily be argued for the number one guy, but Gurley just – is the safest based on context and health and, you know, just his, his sort of sweet spot of being at the top of his game, but not having that much mileage. Yeah. Uh, I think you're right about that. That's probably the way I would go to on that. Uh, did you ever give any thought to David Johnson or, or just real man it up with Saquon Barkley? I, I mean, as I, said, I thought about Johnson, but I just, I just felt like, you know, cause the thing about the recency bias, like David Johnson put up a year in 2016 that would, it's not just, oh, I don't want to lose my league at 1-1. That wins you the league yep. at 1-1. That wins you the whole league because that's, you know, 20 touchdowns and 80 catches. I mean, it's just monstrous. So, you know, if you want to play offense, David Johnson's the guy. But, you know, recency buys, what has he done for me lately? He got hurt. He missed the whole season. In fact, David Johnson, and I, I joked about this in the snarky 150, is literally the worst return on investment in fantasy football history. Not only – did he get out for the year in week one as the, as, as ADP 1.1, the first pick in the entire draft. And he didn't even play a full game. But secondly, there was like all these rumors about him coming back, like, you know, on IR to return. And so people held on to that guy for like six weeks. They couldn't even free up a space for their first overall pick. And so they not only lost the first overall pick, they, they had a dead spot on their roster that they couldn't use for speculative pickups. He was literally the worst return on investment. And I do think there's some recency bias where people are like, oh, I can't take him number one. But really, if you just look at the relevant factors, which is that, you know, he's completely healthy now with an injury that's not one that's likely to be aggravated. I mean, 
he, he, there's a great case for him being the first overall pick. Yeah, there is. Uh, and I have him at three in a couple of places. You know, and is there any bit, you know, it's a risk. He's not running with that wrist. He, he looks like he's right. catching the ball fine. What is the risk? I don't there's see there's much. no added risk. There's yeah. no added risk. The risk is that it's a completely new team with new coaches and quarterbacks and everything around him, and they'll be too dumb to get him the ball. But that's just unlikely because the, the teams that come in, they watch film of the players. They know, I mean, you know, it's not like this isn't like some Bush League thing. It's the NFL. Like there's no way, as incompetent as these coaches are, that they didn't sit down and like they don't know who David Johnson is. And it's not like they have a million other options. So I don't know. I, I may regret, you know, not having any shares yet. I'll, I'm going to try to get a share or two. Yeah, well, you got plenty of time. You got the stake league tomorrow. It's an auction league. You got your chance right. right here. It's not PPR though. So I mean, that's no, it isn't. Quite what else do you have left? You've got stake league. You've got the uh, prime, not prime time. What do they call them? It's not the called main classic, event for football. The classic. classic. You've got the classic. You got a chance I got, I got there. Three, I got the uh, Brad Evans Wavos League, the classic, and the prime time. When are you doing Wavos? I think it's like September 4th. I'm, I got to look it up, but I'm splitting it with Trevor Ray again. We're still splitting it. Okay. Yeah, well, hey, that you got your chance. And that one's PPR, isn't it? I think it's half PPR. Yeah, concession to Andy Barron's and his PPR-hating ways. Yeah, Pete Shanky hates that shit, too. Yeah, I, I didn't realize he hated it that much until I saw that email uh, about Stake League for tomorrow. Although, I'm glad we are actually moving. We are adding a flex player there. Give us a well, little... The flex is good because... Yeah. What sucks in that league is if you have three good running backs, like you have to trade, or if you have four good receivers, you have to trade or two good tight ends. Like you cannot, it's like you can't in a 14 team league, just have a good player on your bench every week. So the flex, you know, makes it that like you actually can get rewarded for like a clever pickup that, you know, it's, you're not just sitting there forced to trade, beg everybody to do a trade with you. That's right. That's right. So I, I, yeah, hopefully uh, that, that, creates a little layer of strategy plus then we're adding one other rule which i don't think is going to be that because it's nice to have but adding a reserve spot specifically for idps uh so i guess it's an extra spot we're not like saying you have to use one one of your current reserves on an idp it's it's an extra spot that you use only for IDPs, correct yeah i think so but that's i don't know why he's bothering i mean i don't care enough to fight it but unnecessary complication yeah i think so too uh but whatever it's nice when you have jj watt on a bye week uh, you can just stash. I like there. the harder choices. I like when you have to cut some decent player because you don't want to cut JJ Watt. And then you're like, I'm an idiot. I kept an IDP over a receiver. Now that receiver's blowing up. I kind of like the tough choices, but whatever. Again, I don't give a shit enough to fight it. I'm not going right. to go crazy. Yeah, that, that was neither here nor there. And we're never going to get PPR as long as Pete's running this show. So, Hey, and I don't want to run the show. So no, no, I will play I by that. Hell <laughs> no. I hate being a football commission. I don't know why. I just, I don't. I do it for staff league and baseball. I, I, I used to love being a commission. Now I just don't. Just let me play. Yeah. No. There's no joy in it, especially when it's not. It's a thankless job, and when it's no longer just a hobby, but it's your full time job to be immersed in this. There's no joy in in doing extra work. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's the way I look at that too. Uh, Want to sidebar? Uh, we'll get back to your draft in a little bit, but I just saw something uh, on Twitter before we were doing our show. Uh, Rotowire writer uh, Luke Hoover is running a draft. Uh, it's a different type of league. It's called a Vampire League. Uh, ten teams, nine of them draft. The tenth builds his roster, his or her roster, uh, from what's the remainders. If he beats someone, he gets to pluck anyone from that person's roster. Now the other and the other people can protect their guy 
by putting them on their bench. And then you can't take anyone off their bench. I don't know. I, it, it's, it's kind of intriguing, except I think you're going to find that the, the, the bench guy is still going to, the vampire is going to lose more, more often than not. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I guess it's a game. Maybe it'll catch on. I'm just too lazy, man. You know, it's like, I guess I could get into anything. You know, I could start what, playing fantasy golf. No problem. I could do fantasy NBA, WNBA. I want to do fantasy I mean, tennis. Now that that's a thing, I, I, wanna, I could do fantasy I anything. I, as long as I had some money down the line and, you know, some interest. But, like, am I going to? No. Why? Because it's just wrapping your mind around a whole new format. Every single format that you add, usually, like, in a format, like the NFBC, NFFC, especially the NFBC, because that was a different format, it took me, like, a year or two before I was even competitive because I was doing dumb stuff. Like, I had too many lottery ticket injured guys and stuff. It's just that you didn't have room for it with no DL. Like it, it takes like playing a format for like a year or two before you're like, Oh, I see what the optimal strategy is. You know, you and I were joking about the game. Sorry. I play sorry with Sasha. And I started to realize, Oh, don't try to go around the whole board. Just try to cheat your way around the board by switching with people or getting a sorry card. It's you just start whatever game it is. It just takes a little playing to start to realize over time, Oh, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Yep. Not the thing that ostensibly you're supposed to be doing or the thing that's similar to something else you used to do. And so you, you, it takes a little while to get the format. So if you're going to play that vampire thing, I, I guarantee if you're the vampire, you're going to figure out the optimal way to do that. If you're the non-vampire, you're going to figure out which guys to bench when you play the vampire. And, you know, but, and that's fine. I mean, some people love that, each new puzzle to unravel. But I've got enough puzzles. Yeah, and, and like Sudoku, Luke's going to be the first vampire too, so we'll find out from him. He needs to write. He needs to write about it there for sure. Give us some content. Uh, yeah, but yeah, and I, I think that the uh, the vampire should get extra extra roster spots too. But that's just me. Uh, so all right, th- there we go. Let's go back to your draft. I don't want to go down every pick because we've done that before. No one really wants to hear every pick, but I want to do a couple things here. We talk structure a little bit. You got you grabbed two tight ends and the first nine picks. You had two tight ends and two running backs after ten picks. Uh, was that just you saw Walker and Delaney Walker sitting there at nine? Like ah, I, he's value. I'm going to take him. I don't like any of the other backs that much. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Um, I needed a running back, but sometimes value is value. And the thing is, like Evan Ingram's good, but like he get hurt. He might just not have as big a role in the offense with all the new players back. And like, who knows, right? I mean, it, you. What if Walker is really good and Ingram is just sort of a, you know, okay. Then, then Walker's my starting tight end. It's not like Ingram is Gronk or something or Zach Ertz where I know that he's going to have a big role. True. True. And, uh, I look at uh, Walker too, and I look at this rising offense and you would figure that Mariota already has a connection with Walker. Richard Matthews is walking the earth or something. Who knows? Didn't practice right? again today. So, you know, he's going to yeah. get targets. Yeah. Um, I, I speculated that maybe he has on um, XM, I think you were away, that he has like a maybe an embarrassing illness that. No, nope, we talked about close. that last week too. I was there oh, for we that did. too. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. then DVR repeated it. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Um, but yeah, it's, it's obviously a problem that this happened in May and it's still not resolved. And the guy, Taiwan, uh, Taiwan Taylor, uh, Taiwan Taylor, made some big plays in the preseason game and just looks good. And he was a third round pick. He's kind of buried when they had Decker last year, but. That kind of complicates things because, you know, even if Matthews isn't there, Taylor and Corey Davis could be big. But I still think no matter who's there, Walker's always gotten his. And so I, I think he's a, if healthy, a lock for 70, 75 catches, close to, you know, 900 yards, six, seven touchdowns. I mean, he's, he's going to be a top seven or eight tight end. And uh, I think Ingram is more of the wild card. So 
why not get a solid guy? It's kind of like getting two QBs. You don't really need it, but it's like you, sometimes you want like the solid QB and then the crazy wild card. So it's really kind of cool looking at this draft grid here to see the varying uh, strategies. The guy who took Aaron Rodgers in the fourth round took Jared Goff in the ninth before a lot of people had uh, their first. He emailed me. That was that guy. Le- that's Les Dinsmore. The guy oh, who Les Dinsmore. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and it's, I mean, he heard us on the radio talking. I said, golf is a mistake. There's no reason to take him there. And, and he emailed me, said, yeah, that was a mistake. Ah, so, okay. So not much not, to analyze there. That. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, moving on then, but, uh, you know, team two doubled up to Garoppolo and Roethlisberger, uh, that, you know, you, it was eighth and ninth. You, you think eighth like and ninth it. is waiting, but in this, I don't like it. I don't, I don't like, like it, it that much either. And it's no. not really waiting. It's, you know, there's no, one it's guy, not waiting at all. Yeah, it's, it's four. Not. There's one quarterback in the fourth, Watson in the sixth, Brady in the seventh. Then the eighth round is when the quarterbacks go. And then you take another one in the ninth? Eh, I don't like that. Uh, grumpy old man here. And his first if, tight end is Tyler If you're taking a quarterback Eifert. before the 10th, and I even think I screwed up with Stafford in the 10th. I mean, if you take a quarterback before the 11th or 12th, it better be a quarterback you're starting like, you know, 14 weeks, 13 weeks out of 17 or out of 16, you know, and if how many of those case, do you, you don't think need there a backup. Are? How many of those do you think you are, there are out there? I mean, there's probably like seven or eight. Okay. What's the drop off for you? Think. Give me, give me your top, give me where, where the drop off is. Well, I think it's like, you know, Garoppolo is kind of a wild card because we don't know yet how good he is. I mean, okay. we know that he's at least pretty good, but we don't know. I think you get, you know, your big four, which are Cam, Wilson, Rogers, and Deshaun Watson. And I think Brady is our every week starters. So that's five. And then Wentz, if healthy, is six. And then that's when I think there's kind of a line. Then you've got guys like Goff, Garoppolo, Stafford. You know, Mahomes has upside. Luck has upside, but they're both a little risky. Um, you know, that, that Drew Brees maybe. I mean, who knows? what they're going to do this year or how many times they're going to run the ball. But that's kind of that tier. I think that tier all could be 13 week starters. Kirk cousins is in that tier in my opinion, but you know, you, you might feel like you're going to play him with matchups, but I thought, I think like the first six are mostly every week starters, but even Brady, you could, you know, you could avoid some of the tough teams and play him. Although I'd probably play Brady against almost everybody. Yeah, I think so. I, I probably would too. There was some time last year where he kind of dropped off a little bit, had that cold stretch. but And that's always like at the back of your mind, is like, is this going to be the year? So we, we were saying, talking about this at the very end of the show today, and I, I kind of spurted out a response, but you know, I didn't really have time, much time to think about it. Uh, you asked, is, Peyton, is he going to go out like Peyton Manning and kind of like sputter, or is he going to go out in a blaze of glory like John Elway? Uh, right, and Elway wasn't that good. He just won the Super Bowl. Right. Like, so did Peyton, actually. But... Yeah, I hear what you mean, though. Yes. A, but a guy who. Isn't that the controlling factor? Year. It's going to be the Super Bowl, really. If, if they win the Super Bowl, I bet she retires. This year? Yeah. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. 
If you're into cash back or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. I don't think so. I think he's, he wants every single record. Yeah, maybe he does. It depends on how beat up he gets too, though. I mean, he he's saying last year he wanted to play five more years. I mean, that might just be talk, but I believe him. I think he wants to be like an elite quarterback at age 45, 44, just, just to push himself to see if he can do it. But the question is, he's going to try. And does he end on a Super Bowl at age 44 being like, you know what, enough's enough. I own every record and I won my seventh Super Bowl or whatever it is. Or, you know, this year or next or whenever, he's just like Peyton. He just sucks. He loses it and he's grinding through it, but he's just not good anymore. And he hangs it up. And Peyton was lucky enough to have the one of the all-time defenses, the top ten all-time defense, arguably, and won a Super Bowl. But you know, it, it'd be uh, well, what's your call? Does he hang it up because he? And, and obviously, injury is the wild card where that just ends that, no matter whether he's good or bad. But assuming right. he doesn't get hurt, does he hang it up after a big win, or even just losing in the playoffs but having a monster season? Or I don't does think he, so. I, I I don't think that's a. I think if he's having a monster season and doesn't win the Super Bowl, then he's going to be motivated to get again. Unless he sees the writing on the wall, the Pats are like cap screwed or something like that. They won't be, though. They, they're always going to be competitive because of management. I mean, they're always going to be... That's what I think, brain. too. Yeah. If he's playing at a high level, they're always going to have, be competitive enough with the coaching they have. I don't know. I think it's interesting. I, it, it's hard to imagine Brady being like a washed-up old man sucking. You but know, quarterbacks but an old man's not. position though too. How many how many of these quarterbacks, these all time great quarterbacks, go into the late thirties? You know, and you've seen plenty of quarterbacks go to their forties. Hey, there there's there's a drop off, and eventually you get there. But I mean, it's later than you think. It's it well, like Far was amazing at age forty on the Vikings. He had a great year. Yeah, exactly. But then it was over for him. I think he was on the Jets. That was that was the end. And but, he got concussed yeah. in that last game with the Vikings. I remember that. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that, that these, that's a possibility, but I, I think he's going so to So the be, question is, go ahead. You tell could me it be this year, you know, I mean, there's two guys, there's Brady and there's Larry Fitzgerald. They're both expensive for their positions. And, you know, I was saying, look, there's just a risk last year that Fitzgerald's washed up. He was 34 in August last year. He's 35 now in August 31st. And I was like, he's going to turn 34 and maybe he's still good, but maybe he's washed up. And now you're paying as though he's definitely not washed up. Like there's, there's no 27 year old receiver, 26 year old receiver drafted around then who has like the cliff risk, right? There's nobody in the middle of their career. That's just going to suddenly be washed up. They can get hurt. They could have a bad year. They could be Amari Cooper, but they're not, there's no risk of like, Oh, you're just too old to play in the league anymore, which happens to every single player. Now we know that Larry Fitzgerald's not going to be great when he's 40. He's not going to be great when he's 39. He's not going to be great when he's 38. Well, now he's 35. People are like, ah, oh, that'll never, you know, you were wrong last year about it, meaning me. I was wrong last year about it, so just give it up. Well, why? I should be even more likely this year because he's a year older. Now, maybe he's fine. Maybe he's one of those guys. Again, he goes out with a huge year and just says, you know what? I'm second of all time in every category to Jerry Rice and good enough. I'm done. Maybe. But, I mean, it's not up to him necessarily. He does a lot. He works hard. He's in shape. I mean, it's somewhat up to him. But it's not entirely up to him. And it's the same thing with Brady. It's like, we're, you know, we're like, okay, well, there's no sign of it last year. 
So we just assume this is going to go on indefinitely. But every single year is one of the last couple. And if they're not going to go out on top, whether it's the Super Bowl or just Pro Bowl berth or whatever, then you know maybe they go out the way everybody else goes out. Yeah, it's entirely possible. I mean, you see a lot of like Steve Carlton hanging on forever. That was the you know always the example Ron Chandler used to go for with baseball. There, you know, just play for like eighteen different teams at the end of your career. I'm exaggerating by half at least, but uh, I you know, and you go back to your oh you were wrong last year thing. Well, you have to look why were you wrong? Look at the underlying premises. Well, you're wrong just because you were, you were. Trying I, I was to wrong do- because he, I was wrong because well, his role is pretty easy, right? He catches really short passes, so yep. he, he, yards per target were low. His touchdowns per target were very low. But part of that was his QB got hurt. But the other part of it, he just got like 157 targets. And had I known that he was going to stay healthy and get 157 targets, well, that's kind of redundant because he had to be playing at least serviceably to get that many targets. Of course I would have drafted him high. I mean, PPR, you got to draft a guy, get 157 targets no matter who it is. And so if he's going to get the same amount of targets, then he's going to be fine. But – you know, if he's sluggish or he's not getting open or he's just losing a step, you know, it, it's not like we always get warning. Sometimes there's warning and sometimes there's no warning. And right. everyone thinks Fitzgerald's going to be the kind of guy that just retires one day. He's like, you know what? I'm done. I had another 100 catch season. I'm Mariano Rivera. I got another 40 save season. I think I'm done. And, and he might be, but. I'd know, say the 85, 80% of the time it's the, you know, hanging on too long problem. It's usually, it's usually the other way around. Even, yeah, even look at Andre old. Johnson. You know, Andre Johnson, like, yeah. he's, oh, he's up Colts now. It's you got to draft Andre. No, he was he was done. Yep. When you're done, you're done. All right. Let's look at a couple other things here before uh, before we close up today's podcast. Uh, we got a couple other things I want to talk about. One, job battles. Uh, I'm going to do it under the context of James Washington. Uh, I have a note on RotoWire uh, that he's moving up from third string to second string on their uh, depth chart. You know, and he's been and he never really was third string. It's just kind of a first depth chart sort of thing. Yeah, rookie r- rookie draft pick. Uh, he's moving up ahead of, like, Justin Hunter uh, and you know, Darius hayward Bay and guys like that. Uh, fact is, a gutless monkey could move up ahead of those guys. True. But are there enough targets in the Pittsburgh game, first of all, to matter a little bit, that the number three receiver? I think there are. I, I, I think if he's that good, they'll find a way to get him involved more. Yeah, I mean, the only thing is, so Martavis Bryant leaves, and I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster did work on 79 targets. Like, it's amazing what he did on 79 targets. He's probably going to get 110, and Antonio Brown's going to get his 140, 150, maybe more. And there's probably another 90 for James Washington if he's as good as advertised. They don't need to, you know, you'd think maybe Vance McDonald or Jesse James will get involved, but they don't have to use those guys more than, a, you know, 50, 60 times each. You know, they don't have to use them that much. So, and then Lev Bell gets his ridiculous amount of catches, but it can be a pretty narrow tree. Just those three, Lev Bell and occasional tight end, no fourth receiver, nothing from Hunter, Darius Hayward Bay, nothing from any backup running backs. God forbid, and, uh, you know, you tell Lev Bell gets hurt with all that workload. All of a sudden, okay, maybe we're going to throw to our wideouts a little bit more. Or Antonio Brown gets hurt. You know yeah, I mean, yeah, that's nobody the lasts one, forever. Of course. He got hurt last year in the fantasy playoffs. He was amazing, and then he got hurt. So... Yeah, I mean, Antonio Brown is less likely to get hurt, in my opinion, because he's so small, but it happens. And, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's some upside. And it, it is weird, like, how many good receivers they have had. Remember Mike Wallace was the star there, and then they let him go for Brown? And then Emmanuel Sanders was there, and they let him go? 
and they have they had you know San Antonio Holmes before that, Burris before that, Heinz yep. Ward before that. They just have this like ever evergreen supply of new receivers that come in. Well, it's crazy. They're paying a decent price for them. Both uh, Smith Schuster and Washington are second round picks. So it's not like yeah, these but, are. Where did this guy come from? No, he's yeah. a second round pick. Well, Antonio Brown was like a seventh round pick or something like that. I can't remember. He was low. And then, uh, yeah, he, me, he went to a, a Mac school. That was partial, partially it. There. Okay. Um, and, and he did, and he had a slow combine time and he's not big. Right. And, um, sure. They're second round picks, but how many, you know, first round picks do nothing. You know, look at the Devonte Parkers and Corey Coleman's and so many of those guys. I mean, Nelson Aguilar finally did something. Josh Doxson's done nothing. I mean, you know, Juju Smith Schuster is like, I mean, and since since that crazy year in 2014, where all the receivers panned out, like receivers have been huge busts, no matter how high they've been taken. Yeah, that's true. That is that is very much true. Um, but the, the greater question I want to lead into is like the job battles aspect. There, well, you know, how close are you paying attention to job battles this time of year? I know we. The, the, I say this because sometimes there's these breathless announcements. Oh, he's moving ahead of him. Oh, he's falling behind, and it ends up being nothing. You know, the first play of the season, things change pretty quickly. Or he's listed first on the depth chart. How closely do you pay attention to this sort of stuff? I mean, I pay some attention. Like Chris Carson, the big ones to me are Chris Carson beating out Rashad Penny, who's hurt. And then Peyton Barber beating up, uh, giving a haircut to anyone who paid retail uh, to uh, for Ronald Jones the second. Right. And, you know, I mean, Ronald Jones has had bad He's having a bad preseason, and even Jacquez Rogers is, you know, ostensibly ahead of him on the depth chart. And Peyton Barber has some good metrics; like he did pretty well, I think, after contact last year. And you know, what do we know about Peyton Barber that means he can't be a good back in the league? I mean, it's not like Peyton Barber's some bust that's been around for five years being a scrub or anything. I mean, he's just some guy who got a small chance in the last year and he was okay. But there's tons of late round backs that are, you know, better than we think. And I don't know why they spent the draft capital, both those teams on a running back. If they were so unsold on the guy that a bad preseason is going to sour them. But yeah, I mean, Chris Carson looks pretty good. He was good before he got hurt last year. And I don't know, you know, about the Jones Barber situation, but I think that does matter. And I think that even if those guys do, the rookies do eventually get the job, they're going to be a little behind. You really don't want to have the guy you drafted in the fifth round or sixth round. I, I guess, uh, Jones has fallen to the seventh or whatever now, but you don't want to have that guy start coming on week six or seven. You know, he may not be on your roster at that point. If he is, he's just kind of clogging space and every week you're just, you don't really know what to, what to expect. So I think those two are the two biggest job battles right now. Yeah, they are. Um, I'm watching that. I'm watching uh, Detroit a little bit too is another one I'm watching. Uh, they got carry on Johnson in Detroit now. And then again, another early draft pick. And he is actually the one that's outplaying Ligarish Blunt, it looks like. Uh, and, you know, Mari Puig wrote in his uh, job battles last week uh, that, that Johnson has vanquished Ligarish Blunt in the most decisive fashion. So he's on the upswing. Now, I doesn't mean Blunt still doesn't get goal line carries, although he could get cut, too. That's the thing that – that's where the job battle really matters. Oh, he got cut. You win. All right. Because, uh, you know, theoretics still there. And you know he's going to be the pass catching back. You grabbed him in uh, the, the NFFC because it's PPR, and that has value. He's got a baseline there. Uh, you know that Blunt's not going to catch passes. Johnson might, but probably won't. It's probably going to be theoretic until at least until Riddick gets hurt. Yeah, Johnson, you know, can be like Joe Mixon in that he catches some early down passes, right? Just because you're not even on third down doesn't mean you don't catch any passes. I think teams now will call plays 
or, you know, have the back available for a check down and early down. So you're not like, okay, you're either, you're either the third down back or you're getting 20 or fewer catches. I don't think that's necessarily either or, but yeah, if Blunt got cut, that would be huge for carry on Johnson. I, I didn't even realize that was in, in play that Blunt could get cut, but I actually, I'm reading he, a little bit more too. I don't think so. I uh, like Mario's article. It does talk about the, it was a crony signing away. Keep in mind, Matt Patricia had him in new England. Right. But you know, I mean, if a guy's 30 or 31 or however, however old Blunt is and, you have another guy you feel confident is, you know, pretty much there plus Riddick. I mean, I think Abdullah might just get cut. That that makes the most sense to me. Yeah, yeah, you got to remember get get cut or get traded or some something of that nature there. Uh, but no one's trades for running backs this time of year. You're going to pick up yeah, they're they're going to okay, maybe you get a 7th round pick for him. That's about as much as you're going to get for him. And what has Abdullah shown that would make anyone want to trade for him? You know, I mean, it's exactly. like Exactly. Oh, we've got, I love when it's just like in fantasy when people are like, Oh, I'll, I'll trade you this guy. And you're like, well, why do I want this guy? And a week later, that guy's on waivers. I think that Abdul will get cut. He might get picked up, you know, and the Redskins just signed Adrian Peterson and they would have, you know, they're, they're in the market if Peterson doesn't pan out. But I, the, the reason I don't like carry on Johnson, he looked good in the preseason game, but it's like, if Blunt is not cut and they're using him in short yardage and goal line, and then Riddick's there, the role is just not very fantasy friendly. Now, now the, the other, the flip side of that, well, who cares about the role? It's been on the talent. Guys get hurt. If Blunt sucks or Riddick gets hurt, then Karrion Johnson could be a monster. Maybe he's just a really good player, and, and that's all you need. And I think that's fine in round eight or beyond, right? That's when you start looking. Let's just bet on talent. I'll draft Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin. There's no obvious role. I mean, Kenny Galladay kind of has an obvious role, but Godwin less so. But it's kind of like, okay, well, we don't know who's going to get hurt or what's going to happen, but just bet on the talent. But I think when you you know talking about the first six rounds, you, you got to have opportunity baked in. I, I think it's really hard to just bet on talent uh, when there's clear obstacles in the way. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and so uh, yeah, that's when you're evaluating these job battles, it's always something good to keep in mind. There. Uh, one other topic I want to talk about with you know it's, this week is week big week three of the preseason, the dress rehearsal. Except that's overrated too. I'm looking at our news, and one of the things I like about a redesign is you can have the ability to look at uh, them in compressed fashion, so you can just see the headline and whether you want to. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, it's much faster. And I see may sit out for Aaron Rodgers may sit out Friday. Marshawn Lynch may not play much Friday. Lot, like there's like six of those guys that are probably not going to play this week. I'm like, if, isn't this supposed to be the important one? It's none of these. Are, maybe none. I mean, there's there's little important nuggets from these games, but too much is made out of it. Yeah, I, I see a lot of stuff in my timeline. Uh, these, you know, analysts that are you know very widely respected, and they're chopping up the preseason like it's so meaningful. And I, I've heard some of them tweet like, "Well, you know, it's a huge it's a huge disadvantage if you think the preseason is meaningless." Like those people are basically saying you're an idiot if you dismiss the preseason. And, you know, we know the edge is to be found in the preseason, but I think once you take away the injury stuff, so like, okay, so and so Andrew Luck's coming back for an injury, let's see him throw. Or, um, you know, some other players coming back from an injury. He's actually coming back from something that made him miss time last year. Allen Robinson, someone like that. That's obviously very important. Job battles, you know, Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones, Rashad Penny, Chris Carson. Those are really important things. Uh, Taewon Taylor getting more uh, exposure and, you know, maybe having a bigger role. To me, those are all big things. Right. So, yes, pay attention to that. But when you're just talking about performance in the preseason, I think that is hugely overrated. And I don't see why these people are paying so much attention to it breathlessly. And I'll give you an example, a really good one. 
is Christian McCaffrey yes. scampered for like yes. a long touchdown, like a 71 yard touchdown. It was a nice run. He got free and just outran the defense, but he didn't look like Jamal Charles at his peak or Chris Johnson. I mean, he barely outran the defense. They didn't take the best angles. And yeah, he looked like Christian McCaffrey, like a four five, four four five type runner. We, you know, made a nice, took a nice route to the end zone and good for him. But that to me doesn't mean anything. Another thing doesn't mean anything. I'm seeing a lot of, obviously Ron Rivera came out and said he wanted, you know, 25, 30 touches a game, which basically shows his innumeracy, but you know, it was an indication people like, Oh, they're going to work him really hard, even though they signed CJ Anderson. And then they were setting things like, Oh, they scripted 15 plays with the first team. And he played all, you know, McCaffrey's on the field for all 15. That's a great sign. And I'm thinking, yeah, maybe, but maybe they're just not sure what it looks like to have him in there all the time. Cause they right. didn't last year. And I mean, Jonathan Stewart got a lot of early down work. And so maybe they're just seeing what it looks like and feels like to keep him in there. Maybe they haven't committed. And if they had committed like they do, like Zeke Elliott, we don't say is Zeke Elliott, the every down back. Oh, I don't know. Well, Zeke Elliott's not playing. Well, why isn't he playing? Because they don't need to find out whether Zeke Elliott is the every down back. They already know that he's the every down back. So if they're working you in for 15 plays in a freaking preseason game, they're trying to find information, right? They're not trying to show off. They're trying to decide. So to me, that is not an indication that they have made up their mind already. And this is actually how it's going to be. But I think these guys, they just, I think they want something to say. They want people to keep clicking on their stuff. I don't know what it is, but to me, there is no indication that anything you thought before the preseason with, with McCaffrey and CJ Anderson is any different. Now it might be, I'm not saying there's no chance that McCaffrey doesn't get 250 carries. He could, but I don't think we should be taking away anything from the preseason. That's more likely. Yeah, uh, and that's that's kind of what I'm getting at here too. And we saw Greg Greg and Tom were tweeting out that they saw like McCaffrey go at the turn in the 12 team draft a lot after this, and that's that's early. And maybe that's the solution people are making uh, towards the the running back problem too. You know, we're gonna see a lot. I think you're gonna see that last week. You're gonna see all these running get, backs get pushed up, just like you see the starting pitchers get pushed up in the NFBC main event. Uh, especially in the 14-team league. I, I think there's going to be some panic from people like, oh, God, I don't want to wait till the end of the third round to get my first running back. You know, or Well, I guess that third round reversal is less of a problem. I don't want to – but those teams that like 9 and 10, you know, they're going to be really anxious to try to get one running back in those first two rounds. Well, I'll tell you what. There's a lot of receivers that are appealing, you know, in the middle and later rounds, like, you know, Robbie Anderson, Marquise Goodwin. You know, there's guys like Corey Davis that has upside. Even if you get, like, Taewon Taylor late – you know, guys like Kenny Galladay later, Chris Godwin. There's just so many like kind of interesting receivers later in the draft. But the running backs get very uninteresting very quickly. And so that is a thing. I mean, there there is that now I don't know how that plays out because actually you may, you know, end up with a lot of speculative receivers and then you don't know which one to start which week and they're not getting the targets you'd hope for and then receivers become a real problem for you later. Right. So I would be fine late in the draft to get, you know, Odell Beckham and Michael Thomas. I'm totally fine with that. Uh, you know, you, you, you will end up with some Marshawn Lynch's or Derrick Henry's in a PPR, which is less than ideal, but I think it's okay. I think you make up for it. But Christian McCaffrey going to the turn. I mean, I, the thing is, I'll tell you one thing. When I do the Rotowire projections and I have McCaffrey for a very modest 150 carries and I got him for like 77 catches, he grades out like early to mid second round. So you can see that if someone thinks he's going to get 215 carries, yeah, uh, that pushes him late first. It's not that easily. Like, no, easily, yeah. Full PPR that is like e- even though I'm not high in him, 
he grades out in mid second on my board. So if you are high in him, it's not crazy to push him up. And I don't think it's crazy in that format. I'm just saying, don't think that the preseason should, I just don't think it should change your opinion. Either you thought he was going to get those carries or you didn't stop like reading into this so much. I don't think we're getting a lot of information out of it. Yes. Right. Uh, I think that's, I think that's the good, important distinction there. All right, I want to do a couple of news items, and we're going to wrap this baby up here. Let's keep it under an hour. Um, Adrian Peterson signing with the Redskins, an uninspiring addition to an already uninspiring backfield. He averaged three point one yards per carry. Yeah, I and I'm sure he's not just ready to roll right out here, uh, and he's not going to get any third down work. He never was anyhow, but now he de- he went in with the Redskins for sure anyhow. I. It does hurt P. Ryan and Kelly, but I, I, I'm not adding him to my list. I, I put him. I gave him a projection. I ranked him higher than P. Ryan and Kelly. P. Ryan's hurt right now. They're clearly dissatisfied with both of. Well, yeah. yeah, of course he is, and they're clearly dissatisfied with both of those players. They would not sign Adrian Peterson's carcass if they were happy. They would not have drafted Darius Geis. Was Geis in the first or early second? He was late. He slipped. Remember, Geis was like late second, if I recall correctly. Oh, late second. Okay. Well, it's still pretty, you know, pretty good, pretty high pick. They they would not have drafted Geis if they were satisfied with the guys they had, and there's no reason for them to be satisfied with the guys they had based on last year's performance. And they would not be signing Peterson if they were satisfied with the guys they had. Like they are hoping Peterson is the guy. Now Peterson may have nothing left in the tank, and he didn't show much last year, although. You know, it was kind of a small sample in the Saints. You know, he didn't play well. And then he went to Arizona. He had one good game, but it was a disaster of an offense. He's 33, but you know he's going to be in crazy shape. I'll, I'll have a share. I, I mean, I'm not – you know, people are so straw man on, on Twitter. They're like, oh, if you're expecting, you know, a reprisal of 2012, you got another thing right. coming. Like, <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, I'm expecting 2,000 yards from Adrian Peterson in 2018. No, I mean, come on. I'm expecting if – I think he has a good chance to win the job, and if for some reason he kept it for 16 games, I could see him getting like a Frank Gore season with 1,000 yards and six touchdowns or seven touchdowns and being like a serviceable piece on a team. I mean, that's, you know, maybe he gets 10 touchdowns. I mean, touchdowns are not that hard when you're getting the ball from the one-yard line. I could see it. You know, I mean, there's not a ton of ceiling, but he and Marshawn Lynch were drafted the same year, and Marshawn Lynch is getting drafted in the seventh round. I mean, you know, if Peterson wins the job, I don't see why he couldn't be sort of like Marshawn Lynch. Josh Gordon rejoined the team, but isn't practicing yet. Didn't practice today. Didn't practice over the weekend. Won't play in Thursday's preseason game. The all-important dress rehearsal. Will not be participating in that. Uh, will you have any Josh Gordon shares this year? I don't yet, um, and I probably won't. I want to because I like the guy, and I, he could be amazing. But um, I don't love the setup there. And I think Jarvis Landry is going to be the top target. And we got a bunch of backs. They can all, two of them can catch passes. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe he and Taylor, he and Mayfield just go nuts. But there's always going to be this sort of, I don't know. Maybe, again, like the, we speculated this on the show, and I think this would be best case scenario. Like they just want to keep them away from that hard knocks. The last thing you want when you're coming back from some, you know, difficult mental issues is like the camera in your face. So it might have just been kind of a ruse. Like let me just take some time. You know, also like he was feeling anxious and just didn't want to deal with it. And the Browns were like, fine. Yeah, just avoid that. We probably shouldn't have done that. And I mean, if I were a team, I would definitely not want to do that. Like to me, that's just, that's poison. Like you want everything to be, you know, in your own space and not have the public viewing your, your preparation. But if that's the thing, I, I could see everything being fine, but you just, you just don't want like every week, like will he or won't he like, is he okay or not? 
that's sort of a, a headache you don't want. But maybe I'll just get a token share in, in some league. But now that his price has gone up, that he's back, it's less likely than before. Josh Gordon versus Julian Edelman. Gordon. Okay, well, that's – and Edelman went middle five, Gordon four – 10. I thought that was early, but maybe not in a 12-team league in the NFFC. Um, you might get him then. You might get him somewhere there. Uh, I mean, Edelman's suspended for four games, so I mean, you, you know. That, so maybe you know, the answer is, is that Edelman was overdrafted. I mean, I can't. I mean, he's, he's a really good PPR receiver, but he's 32. He's got many different injuries, and you know you're out. You know he's out four games before anything happens. Josh Gordon or your guy, Alshon Jeffrey, that you got? Gordon. I like I, I like to gamble on Jeffrey there, but you know he could miss some time, and they both have upside. But yeah, it's close. But I'll, I take Gordon. All right, so this is you know I'm looking and we're, we're narrowing it down even more. Josh Gordon or Allen Robinson? Ooh, that's a good one. I probably take Robinson, but don't hold me to that. I'm totally going to you. Tomorrow, when you pay for uh, Gordon over Robinson, <laughs> I'm, I'm totally going to yell at you for that. It just you know Robinson should be fine. I think. But there's so many, you know, he's got to overcome a new team. Yeah, he wasn't good the last year he played, and some of that was on Bortles, but some of it was on him. He dropped a lot of passes that year, and he's coming off the ACL. And Anthony Miller apparently looks good in in camp. You know, and Will Burton looks good in camp. Uh, Trey Burton. I keep calling him Will Burton. because I, He's a crossover pass. athlete. Yeah, he is. Two-sport athlete. And then uh, Tariq Cohen's also kind of like having another receiver. So, I mean, it's... It's not obvious anymore to me that Robinson's going to get 130 targets, which is what I thought initially. Okay, there you have it. Um, any other thoughts before we sign off today, Chris? No, I think it's a good uh, good first effort. By the way, you were giving out rotowire.com slash radio, but you should be giving out rotowire.com slash pod so people know oh, P-O-D. it came from the pod. P-O-D, yeah, slash okay. P-O-D. It's shorter to type in, first of all. And it helps and us track where you're where It helps us track us. where it came from. You know, so if you haven't subscribed, we would appreciate that. You can rate this podcast if you want to say mean things about Jeff. You feel free to comment on that. And uh, I think that's it, man. All right, very good. Well, first one in the books with me and you, and it's going to be the first one when I actually go through the editing and posting. So uh, hang on tight, people. Might be a little goofy, but we'll see. Uh, stay tuned. Next uh, week, we'll do this again on Monday, and we'll do this pretty much every Monday. Might be a little later on Labor Day or maybe yeah, Labor Day week. But uh, beyond that, we are going to be doing this throughout the football season. Stay tuned, and uh, thanks for listening to the Rotowire Podcast with Chris and Jeff. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.